Good morning. How are you today? Good. We, uh, last few weeks, have been on a journey. Journey with four purposes. First of all, the purpose was to find the presence of God. Where does he live? Where does he live? Right here. That's why you turn inward. The Eastern meditation turns inward, and as far as they can get is the soul. There's nothing there beyond that. But when we turn inward, it's because the presence of God lives here. That's where he lives for us. He lives everywhere. But for us to meet him, he came to live here. And that's where we come to know him. That's where we come to have fellowship with him and and relationship with him. So the first part of this was to find the presence of God. Second of all was to value the presence of God. How important is is it that God lives inside of us? Well, we were important enough that God chose to live inside of us. He could have lived anywhere he wanted to, and he chose to live in us. Third part of it was how to find the presence of God, how to enter the presence of God. That's what we've been dealing with the last couple of weeks. We had the, uh, the illustration of the outer court, the holy place, and then the holy of holies, and an expression of the body, the soul, and the spirit. He lives in our spirit, and that's where we need him. That's where we fellowship with him. And then the fourth thing was how to carry that glory, how to express that glory to the world around us. Well, this morning we're going to begin to do something that goes along those lines. We talked about being still in our body. tonight. Today I want us to talk about quieting our soul, all right? First thing, one of the... Several things we're going to be learning. One of the first things we're going to learn is in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. We quote this verse quite often, maybe. Maybe we didn't know it was there. But we have a tendency to quote it, but we're not really sure what it means and how to do it. Here's what it says. Gird up the loins of your mind. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now, the picture is whenever God came to Egypt and Israel and they were in captivity in Egypt, and the Passover was about to take place, and God was going to free them from the captivity in Egypt, he said to them, gird up your loins. That means get dressed, get ready, be prepared. We're going somewhere. And the picture says when he gird up the loins of your mind, it says prepare your mind for where you're about to be taken. It's the picture that, that we can see in Psalms when he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's the picture David's saying. I know temptation's coming. I know I'm going to enter into temptation. And in preparation for that, I am hiding God's word in my heart so that when the temptation comes, I won't sin. Gird up your loins. Be prepared. Don't wait until you're already being assailed by the enemy. Beforehand, prepare, gird up your loins, gird up the loins of your mind in preparing your mind for what's about to come. The the phrase we always had, you know, it's too late to close the gate when the cow's out. You close it before the cow gets out. That's preparing the loins of your mind, girding up the loins of your mind. One of the things he tells us to do is to do that. In Romans chapter 8, he says this, Set my mind on the things of the Spirit. Set your mind. 
Don't just take everything that comes and embrace it, but set your mind, determine in your mind to think on the things of God, to dwell on the things of God. And when I do that, I am setting my mind. I am positioning it. I am standing on the ground that God has given me. Another thing in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2, he says, set your mind, your affections on things above. If we don't set our minds on things above, we will become captive to the things below. Say that again. If I don't set my mind on things above, I will become captive to the things below. I will become captive to the news. I will come captive to the world around me. I will come captive to my senses. I will become captive to just my emotions. If I don't set my mind, set my affections on things above, they're already set. They're not just free floating around to take whatever comes. Another thing he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 5, it says, "We're bringing captive, we're bringing I missed a word in my notes. Bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I just put every captive. Bringing every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. We can't control all the thoughts that come through our mind. That's very difficult. What I do control is which thought I embrace. Which thought I hold on to. And here's what he's talking about. I bring every thought into captivity to the king of the kingdom of God who resides in me. And I take it to him. Is this you? Is this in line with your kingdom? If it's not in in line with your kingdom, I don't want to participate in it. Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Isaiah 26.3 says this, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed or fixed on thee. What's the secret to having a mind that's peaceful? What's the key to having a heart that's peaceful? He says, I will keep you in perfect peace if your mind is fixed on me. Now, what's the common denominator in those verses? Our mind. Our mind. And it's never more relevant then we, then we're, when we try to quiet our soul, Cynthia expressed that this morning. You begin to quiet your soul, all of a sudden, a million thoughts bombard you. He's telling us, don't wait for them to bombard you to gird your mind. Don't wait for them to bombard you to set your mind. Don't wait for them to attack you to set your affections on things above. Don't wait for the things to just be assaulted before you set your mind on the things of God. During this time, I hope we can learn to identify lies that we've believed about God, myself, and circumstances. Think about it. The lies we believe about God. The lies we believe about God is what keeps us from going into his presence. The lies that we believe about God is one of the tools the enemy uses. You, boy, God's gonna, God is so mad at you. If you try to get in his presence, he's going to smack you around. 
All these lies they tell us about God. Then he tells us lies about ourselves. You're not worthy. You're not qualified to be here. You've messed up too many times to come here. And then about our circumstances. One of the biggest lies about our circumstances is God just changed my circumstance. My life will be better. You understand your life's a mess because you're there? has nothing to do with the circumstances. But we focus on these externals, and if they would just get better, if this person would just change, if this situation would just resolve itself, I would have a wonderful life. That we can identify the lies that we receive from God about, about God, myself, and circumstances and replace them with the truth that sets us free. That we can eliminate distractions and choose to press into his presence. And that's what this process is about. It's, we said last week, I don't quiet my soul so that God will speak. I quiet my soul so that I can hear God when he speaks. Otherwise, there's all these distractions pulling me away, drawing me away, trying to make me take a side road on my journey into his presence to get to know him. Another thing is we come into agreement with God's perspective of everything. And in order to do that, as we're on this journey, as we begin to come into his presence, one of the things we learn is to just lay aside our own agendas. Lord, I don't have an agenda. I just want you. I just want to know you. Well, there's one other thing. Also to learn that what I think determines my emotion. Okay? That's one of the, this is a big deal. What I think determines my emotions, and my emotions determine my behavior. A thought produces an emotion. You can pick any emotion. I promise you there is a thought behind it that has produced it. And then I act in life based on that emotion. What's well, how I feel. That's just how I feel. And even sometimes when we're confronted with reality, when we're confronted with truth, it's very difficult for us to make that transition because so often we want to focus on our emotion. If I can just, I can't change how I feel. I can promise you, you can't change how you feel if you focus on changing how you feel. But you can change how you feel when you come to change what you believe, what you believe to be true, okay? Now, in order to illustrate this morning, I need a volunteer, Kennedy. Come on. Now, I'm not picking on Kennedy just because she's cute, all right? I'm picking on, no, I'm not picking on her. I'm using her today because she's my soul. Remember? Body, soul, spirit. She's my soul. And this is where all this that we're going to talk about today happens. It happens in our soul. Our soul is made up of our mind, what we think, our emotions, how we feel, and our will, what we choose. And all the things that we're going to talk about today take place right here in this realm. Okay? What we think, what we feel, what we think determines how we feel, and it determines how we act, all right? Now, I'm going to ask you some questions, okay? But I want you to really understand they're not right or wrong questions, okay? They're just how you feel about things. For instance, if I ask you, are you looking forward to going back to school? No, okay? 
No, yes. Okay, see, already. <clears throat> Let me ask you this. How do you feel about going back to school? Yeah, that's not a word. Come on, use your big words. <laughs> How do you feel about going back to school? You're ready to see everybody, okay? So you've got a desire to be fellowshipping with people, to be with everybody, okay? Good. So that's what we're going to do this morning. So I'm going to ask you some questions, and I don't want you to feel like you're on the spot and got to have the right answer because the answer is how you feel, all right, what you think about it. All right, now, we're going to do a, a test, okay? We're going to have a test. This is a, this is a, uh, a challenge. Now, if you can pass this challenge, I'm going to give you money. How you feel about that? That'd be good, huh? Okay. How would you feel about $10? Would you feel, okay, is that it? I'll keep my money then. Okay. How, how would you feel about $20? That's a lot. Yeah, how do you feel about that? What would you do with it? Save it? Okay. How would you feel about $50? It's too much? Why is it too much? <laughs> All right. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Watch me first. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to touch your nose with both fingers. All right, good. You pass the test. All right? Isn't that cool? That's it. All right? Now, for that, I'll give you a dollar. <laughs> now, <laughs> how do you feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> now, watch. Did you notice a whole range of emotions? You go from $10? Wow. $20? Mmm. $50? Oh. A dollar? You cheapskate. What's the deal with that? All right? So you see how something this simple and this quick thoughts will determine your emotions. Okay? You don't want that dollar, huh? Give it back. Okay, I'll give you that. Okay, how do you feel about that? Huh? How do you feel about that? <laughs> huh? Is that okay? You feel good about that? Huh? Okay, good. Thanks for helping. That's yours. Yeah, go sit down. You show them what it was? <laughs> now, where do we get to the spirit of? <laughs> well, if the soul pays a hundred bucks, man, the spirit's got to be a jackpot. <clears throat> All right. See, that's a very simple illustration. My thoughts will determine how I feel. What I believe will determine how I feel. And then I'm going to make decisions based on how I feel. Here's what I want you to understand. 
thoughts have consequences. You can't just open your mind to whatever thought is out there and embrace it and not believe that there's going to be a consequence to the thought that you embraced. Every thought has a consequence. You might want to look at it this way. Every thought takes us somewhere. There are thoughts that take me into depression. There are thoughts that take me into anger. There are thoughts that take me into frustration. There are thoughts that take me into joy. There are thoughts that take me into wonder. Every thought takes us somewhere. Here's what we have to determine. Do I want to go where this thought is going to take me? Do I want to go where this It's going to take me somewhere? So something happens in my life, something harmful, something difficult, something that uh, has made my life inconvenient. There's a thought that comes with it. Where's that thought going to take me? Every thought cannot be trusted to lead me to God's presence. You got to know that. Just because you think it doesn't make it truth. Now, that's very difficult because I'm not wrong. I would never think anything that's wrong. The truth of the matter is, we're assailed all day long with thoughts that are wrong. And if you capture that thought and take that thought to its conclusion, you want to say, if I take that thought out, follow it where it's going to take me, the results is going to be damaging to my soul, damaging to my body, damaging to my relationships, and not lead me into the presence of God, which is never good. So here's the thing I want you to see. <clears throat> Today, as we, <clears throat> as we still our body, and as we quiet our soul, I want you to see it as a conversation with your mind. All right? When all these thoughts come, I want you to see it as a con. Here I am. I'm trying to get still. I'm trying to get quiet. And all of these thoughts start coming. So I want you to see it as having a conversation with my mind. But in this conversation, it is not only okay, it is recommended that you interrupt. See? We're taught all as kids. Kids come up, don't interrupt. Be quiet. I'm done. It's okay to interrupt. It's okay to interrupt this thought that has come and presented itself to you as reality. It is okay to interrupt it. It is okay to stop it in mid-sentence. No. I don't have to think it through. That's one of the things that catches us. Well, you know, I started to get quiet, and the enemy comes, and we talked about this last week. I'm trying to still my body. I'm trying to quiet my soul, and the enemy comes and says, uh, you better go change that air conditioner filter. Better go do that right now. Now, we think if I'll take that and think it through to its logical or illogical conclusion, 
then I'll be done with it. But you won't because there's another thought after that one. And if I give myself to it, it will open up a whole world of thoughts that will drag me away from my journey into the presence of God. It's okay to interrupt. It's okay to not take that thought and take it on out to its logical conclusion. It's okay to slam the door in its face. It's okay to stop the tape. It's okay to say, not now, later, maybe. Maybe. Because what's going to happen is after you finally get through it, press through it, press into the presence of God, that air conditioner filter is not even going to be an issue anymore because the purpose was never the air conditioning filter. The purpose was to pull you away from your journey into finding the presence of God. That was the purpose. Interrupt it. Say no. Write it down. Address the thoughts directly. I don't, know, I don't know how much you get into this, but I just want to say this to you. You don't have thoughts of your own. You didn't think that up. Somebody offered that to you. Somebody presented that as a possibility. And it's okay to say, no, out loud, I'm not going there. I'm not going to take that route. I'm not going to follow that conclusion. See it as an interruption or a diversion on my journey into the presence of God, okay? Just make a choice. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to do that. All right. Here's what we're going to do. I want you to still your body, and I want you to begin to quiet your soul. Get comfortable, right? Don't go to sleep. Well, go to sleep if you need to. I used to I used to really feel guilty because I'd try to spend time with God and I'd end up going to sleep. You know what I realized? I was tired. But the mistake I would make is when I would go to sleep and wake up, I'd feel so ashamed, I'd quit, get up and leave. Instead of saying, oh, God, I must have been tired, and just use that rest to be invigorated to pursue the presence of God and to be in his presence. No guilt in that, no shame in that just trying to be a distraction. Here's what I want you to do. Still your body, quiet your soul. here's, here's, Here's where we're going with this today. We're not trying to put everything, we're not trying to make our mind a void. We're wanting to make the Lord the focus of our mind. Okay? We're not trying to just be an empty space. We're trying to turn our thoughts, turn our mind, turn our emotions, turn our will toward the presence of the Lord. Here's what I want you to do. Quiet your soul by doing this. I, I'm going to do this out loud. This is, oh, it's, it's helpful. It's just what I do. I just get still. Still my body. Doesn't take long before thoughts start coming. What I do, 
is I changed my focus. Turned it in here. Father, thank you for being here. Thank you that you're right here. Thank you for being here. And then, just express a gentle adoration to him. Father, you are so good. And listen, each time after you do that, stop and listen. He might have something to say about what you just said. So, Father, I just thank you for being here. Now, my attention is here. I thank you that you're here. You are so good. You are so awesome. Thank you for your presence. What a wonderful father you are. choosing to live inside of me. The thoughts come to, nope, not going there. Just, no, not now. Father, thank you for loving me. And listen, what you'll find is there's an there's a, there's a in and an out kind of deal there. Your thoughts are trying to draw you out. The Spirit's trying to draw you in. And sometimes the thoughts win. But when they win, turn your attention back to adoring the Father, focusing on how wonderful He is, how glorious He is, how loving He is. Father, just thank you for being here. And this is a good time to just express your heart to him. Father, I just want to know you. It's a good time to ask him intimate questions. Do you want to know me? Listen for an answer. If you wonder about his love for you, ask him, Father, do you love me? And listen. Listen here inside. Nope, not going there right now. Take care of that later. Thank you, Father. You see, one of the things you begin to do is you begin automatically to counter some of the lies that the enemy tells you about being there. 
Father, thank you for being here. See, he says he's here. The enemy says he's not here. Thank you for being here. The enemy says, no, you've messed up so bad, he left you. Father, thank you for being here. Now, the enemy says, no, you've got to do all this stuff for him to get here. We've got this mentality that we have to call God down when God is here. So it helps me begin to change my mindset and change my perspective. Don't just challenge diversionary thoughts, but replace them with God's perspective. Father, you're so good. Now let me show you, give you another aid here to help you. Gently, during this time, and this is why it helps when you've hidden God's word in your heart. And if you haven't, I mean, go at, go with your Bible open. Listen, do you understand? You don't get points in heaven for reading your Bible. There is no scorekeeper up there. Was it, remember, I came from Southern Baptist background, and, and they'd give you the. On, it was very interesting how they did this. They put the scorecard on the offering envelope. That wasn't by mistake. Okay. We're going we're gonna to check your score, and then we're going to see if you gave anything. Well, you did. And that score was, do you bring your Bible? Did you read it every day this week? Did you go to training union? Have you been to Sunday school? There's four or five different things. And we just lie. Sure, yeah, I did that. There's no, you don't get points in heaven for reading your Bible. God doesn't think more of you because you read your Bible. God gave me his word to reveal him that I might know him, that I might meet him firsthand. And I can, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you search the scriptures. Think about this. You search the scriptures. Because in them, you think you're going to find eternal life. But you won't come to me. The purpose of the scriptures is to reveal the Father that we might be drawn to him. If we just stop with scoring, racking up points for reading the Bible, we've missed it. The purpose of it is to reveal the Father that we might have a relationship, fellowship with him. You search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life, but you won't come to me. I have eternal life. I am eternal life. So one thing to do that you can do that, that, that helps, <clears throat> especially early on, is what we call pray reading. All right? It means... I take a verse or I take a, uh, a scripture and uh, I just gently turn my attention to him. And I repeat it. Not as rote, not as just something I do. God's love the world gives only God's son who's love believing not perish but of everlasting life. You know, there's no points for memorizing scripture. Its purpose is to draw me to him and to reveal him. So when I get into his presence, when I'm moving toward his presence, I might take a verse in a conversation. This is one that I like to do, Psalms 27.1. The Lord is the light and my salvation. 
whom shall I fear? And I'll just start with maybe two words, the Lord. A conversation, there's give and receive. So, Father, what does it mean that you're my Lord? Just ask him and listen. The Lord. The Lord. What does it mean to be Lord, Father? Don't assume you know. You might know a little bit. He may have shown you a little bit at one time, but there's much, much more in all of Scripture if we allow him to reveal it to us. The Lord. The Lord is. Wow. The Lord is. What are you, Lord? Father, you're everything to me. I, I, you're not everything right now, but I want you to be everything. The Lord is. My light. Lord is my light. Lord, I really need light about this situation I'm facing. You are my light. What does it mean that you're my light? You are my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? If you're really the light of my light, of my, you are the light and my salvation. Why am I so afraid of such and such? And don't assume you know. The Lord is the defense of my life. You defend my life. Father, does that mean I don't have to defend myself? And listen, does that mean I don't have to take up for myself? Does it mean I don't have to protect myself that you will do that? Whom shall I dread? Who do I dread, Father? Just listen. All right. Does that help? Gives you something to work with. I mean, now, if, 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 if the thoughts went out and it draws me out, don't give up. Remember the four phrases, four words that we used? Determined, deliberate, intentional, and persistent. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't assume that nothing has been accomplished. Don't use your standard of measure to measure what God does. Time with God is never wasted. So what we're doing is we still our body, we quieten our soul. You notice it becomes a dialogue instead of a monologue. It's not me just telling Jesus things. You think he doesn't know that? You think he doesn't know the mess you've made of things? You think he doesn't know the pressure that you're under? I'm not saying don't tell him, but I'm saying if you're going to tell him, then listen. 
he might have something to say about it, about your circumstance, about what you're going through. What it will do is it will help us cut through the distractions. It will help us cut through the cacophony of sounds that just bombard us. Now listen, this exercise is an exercise to be practiced not just when you have your quiet time. The purpose of this exercise is to learn to do this in your soul in traffic, in the loudest, crowdiest, noisiest situation or most uncomfortable situation you ever find yourself in, to learn to be still, quiet your soul, and converse with the Father that lives inside it. You take it with you. I mean, if all you got is this, I promise you, you can't run 50 times a day back to your quiet spot. But you can if your quiet spot is in here because it's with you wherever you go. Learn to be quiet. Let all the noise just have at it. Be still. Quiet my soul. All right? Now, let's see if i got enough time to do this. No, right, we'll talk about something else. Any questions? All right? Any questions? Because I, I want you to take this and, and begin to practice it. Begin to go time with the Lord and just still your body. Quiet your soul. Have that conversation with him. Anybody? Randy, would you take this back there to Cindy, please? I do have a question, Micah. Um, You know how many times uh, when you're doing something and people say, well, the Lord put it on my heart. You know, to do this, to that, give somebody 20 bucks, whatever. Uh, Is that the same thing as hearing the Holy Spirit tell you something? Okay. That's my question. Because there's been times where I feel like I've heard from the Lord to do something, and I've done it. Is that just, is it the same thing, the Lord telling me? Is it the Holy Spirit? That's my question. Okay. Let me tie that with what we're talking about here. Part of this experience, part of this exercise is to learn what this sounds like here. Okay? To learn and be able to recognize his voice here. So that when I'm out somewhere and I hear a voice that's here, I know it's the Lord. I can also hear a voice that's here. That ain't the Lord. The Lord comes from here. He'll use my mind sometimes, but sometimes he'll speak with words that don't have English, or he'll speak with words that don't have any language. It's a knowing. That's still the spirit. But if I'm not familiar with this, I'm going to take every whim. A lot of times we do things out of guilt. We do things out of shame. We do things to make ourselves feel better. Okay? And we think it's the Lord, but it's really not. It's just us. So learning to recognize this is part of this process. It's the same spirit, still the Father, so that we can know 
that. That's God. Or I can say, no, that's just me trying to fix it. You know? And I can promise you if it involves somebody else's behavior, it ain't God. Okay? God didn't tell you to go fix somebody. That's his job. So that's one of the ways you'll know. The Lord's saying, if you'll go over and do that, you'll fix it. No, that's not the Lord. The Lord may tell me to go do it because he's working in that process. Remember, here's Goliath. Here's David. Here's the army of Israel. Here's the Philistines. God could have just zapped David with a bolt of, I mean, uh, Goliath with a bolt of lightning, been done with it. Here's the wall of Jericho. He sends these guys out there and said, I want you to march around this thing seven times for seven days and then blow this trumpet and then scream and holler and all that, and then the wall will fall. He could have sent a tornado and completely destroyed that wall. But he's looking for people to cooperate with him. He's looking for us to cooperate with him. And this is how we cooperate with him. We respond to his prompting, to his knowing, to his intuition, to his voice that we have become familiar with here. So does that answer your question? It, it depends. It can be the Lord. It may not be the Lord. But this is how we become familiar to recognize the Lord whenever something comes up. Anyone else? All right, I want to hear some reports. Oh, here we go. This is probably, sorry, yeah. this is probably the same question that Cindy has, so maybe okay. I'm asking you to continue. When I pray and I'm trying to get into the holy place and I want the Lord to speak to me so bad, I find if I'm not hearing anything, sometimes my own mind Right. We'll answer the question, and then I have to tell myself, no, that's you. Mm-hmm. How do you differentiate? How do you get your mind to stop doing that, and how do you differentiate between? Because when I hear the Lord, I hear him in my own thoughts, mm-hmm. and sometimes I feel him, and he'll tell me things. Mm-hmm. So can you expound on that? Okay. One of the, the best ways to learn to do that is that most of the time I is that I learned that most of the time I spend to find him is not to get anything from him, even a word. That's my agenda. If I'm just seeking him to get a word, and that's all I do is I seek him to get a word, I'm not seeking him for him. I'm seeking him for me. And learning to go into his presence and say, Father, if you speak, great. If you don't speak, I'm here to enjoy you. It's like, you know, we were talking the other day in home group. And uh, can I use that, Alex? Can I use what we talked about in there? You know, he asked me, you know, is, is this the only way? You know, can't you consequentially know the Lord? And my question to him was, and I'll use Tony and Heather. Okay, let's say he asked me that question, you know, what about consequently? Is, is this the only way to do it? Can you just... Do it as you go. And my response was, what does she want? If he's in relationship with her, and the only time he is with her is when he's doing something else and he fits her in, or he does it because he has an agenda, and he do it because it li- she likes it and for no other reason. And the Lord... 
it's that's it. It's ministering to the Lord. And so as we learn to minister to the Lord, sometimes he won't tell us at that point, but sometimes I don't need to know at that point. We just want to know because it makes us feel comfortable. Sometimes I know as I'm about to step out. When Peter stepped out of the water, he wasn't sure. He didn't know until he stepped on the water. It's it's secure. And so it's it's learning to go back and enjoy his presence and who he is without an agenda. Are there times we, we have to hear? Yes. But it's not the time all the times that we think we do. So we just learn to, to fellowship with him and minister to him. And you know, it's hard for us to believe that me going into God's presence, he finds pleasure in that. Look, I don't even like being around me sometimes. And I know you don't like being around me sometimes. But he enjoys me being there, blessing him, making a big deal of him. And we're going to talk, when we talk about the Spirit, we'll talk about more about distinguishing between one. Okay, But that's, that's what I find more than anything. My agenda's not met. I didn't get what I wanted. What was I there for? I was there to get something. It's kind of that same concept of training an FBI agent to recognize counterfeit money Mm -hmm. as you get him familiar with the real thing. And that's part of what having your quiet time every single day does. It puts you in his presence And even if you don't hear anything or get anything, it becomes such a familiar, beloved place for you to start your day that when you leave there during the day, boy, you know it. Mm -hmm. You can't wait to get back. So if you have a thought that comes that, hmm, that that doesn't feel right. And you go and you ask him. And I remember this one time I had had a confrontation with somebody. And I wanted so bad to turn around and come back to church and fix them. You know, let her have it. And and it was so strong. It was very strong in me. But something at the same time just said, um, this isn't right. So I asked the Lord, why is this feeling to go back and do this? Why is it so strong? And he said, that's how strong your flesh is. And I was kind of shocked. I thought I'd kind of subdued my flesh pretty well. But you stay in the presence of the Lord long enough every day that as you go through your day, you get out of that, and you know it just like that, and it's easier to go back and get him again. That's right. See, some of us think we have good flesh. All right, anyone else? Sandra? Uh, Randy? Sandra? This lady over here, I was thinking, you know, as we, the longer we walk with God and think with him uh, and so on, the way we think begins to change. Mm -hmm. We begin to think the way he thinks. And so... Naturally, our thoughts would kind of sound like him speaking to us. But what it really is, is he's changing us to think the way he thinks. Mm-hmm. And there's a difference between that going on up here and this going on That's down right. here. That's right. That's right. See, if, if I reason to this conclusion, probably me. 
if it came from here, it's like he drops that in your soul. Boom. There it is. There it is. You don't have to reason it out. And it gives you confidence. You don't even have to know the conclusion. All right. Anyone else? All right. Do this this week. Okay. Just take some time. Still your body. Quiet your soul. And enjoy the Lord. Father, we're uh, venturing here into arenas that some of us are not familiar with. I pray as the song Linger says, break through the fear of silence. We don't have to be afraid of silence in your presence. Oh, teach us this week to enjoy you, touch you, to know you. We bless you for being so good to us.